All right. I've got to hit mine. Where's mine? Uh, record. All right, man. Hey, I'm on. You're on. You ready to get started? <laughs> Good to see you. Well, got a, got a fun topic today for sure. What is it? Well, I think we're going to look at immigration and try to think a little bit theologically about this topic, which is kind of an important issue right now. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be ahead. We are ahead of the curve because uh, in just about a month from now, month and a half, there will be some woke church that will come and have a nativity scene with baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph in a cage like they did every year with the sign that says Jesus was an illegal immigrant. And that's kind of like the mic drop that typically when you're trying to get into some sort of theological conversation, people will always say, well, Hey, Jesus was an illegal immigrant and there you go, man. And so take that. And I think the conversation is a little bit trickier than that, a little bit deeper that so I'm excited about looking at that and kind of thinking through that. Uh, from the Old Testament side, and then letting you kind of bring in some of the the New Testament on that. So, gonna be good, man. You ready to? You gonna pray pray us in and start this up? Yeah, let's pray and go for it. So, okay, um, join me in the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I so, celebrate that last part, you know, because I think it's good. I, you know, I like it, man. I, I do <laughs> like it. I'm, I'm not going to discount the very last part. So, <laughs> all right. Well, so let's talk about the immigration piece, because I think that most of the time, you know, I think the loudest proponents of talking about immigration from a theological perspective typically kind of are a uh, there, there's a real push to say theologically borders don't matter um, and that uh, the free move from one country to a next uh, is not really an issue. Uh, and so how do you think about it? And typically, like I said, uh, when we talk about immigration, since it's a hot issue in our country, uh, you know, people always want to bring up and they just say Jesus was an illegal immigrant. So, uh, how do you respond to that that kind of a thing? So I, I think from I think if we're going to do this, I think we need to look at um, I think just a, a biblical understanding. I think two things, right? So like let's deal with like what does the Bible say about immigrants, um, and then let's deal with uh, the understanding of borders and nations uh, and sovereignty as it relates to immigrants in the Bible. So from an Old Testament perspective, right, we deal with it. I mean, you, you don't have to look far to find that, uh, okay, obviously, uh, you know, we do see people like Abraham, uh, you know, and the patriarchs, they are called, you know, resident aliens. They're, they're wandering um, and, uh, you know, or they're, they're sojourners, as you might see different words used for them. Um, resident aliens that they would be living in a place that's not theirs, as God says about them in Egypt. Sojourners have used of like kind of wandering in areas, uh, you know, throughout the patriarchs would be the, the wanderers, uh, in, in the land and in and out. Um, but you know, okay. Once you get into the legal code, right? Like you get like the, the Bible's view of, of immigrants is one of protection and one of, you know, that there is a, 
there is some dignity that's involved, even though, um, you know, even though they are not Israelites. So you'll find that um, uh, that uh, there they'll say things like uh, you can, like Exodus 23, nine, you're not to oppress a resident alien. You yourselves know how it feels to be a resident alien because you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt. So how I treat immigrants is important, right? Because God says you were once immigrants as you were in Egypt. Um, so, so that's kind of a, a kind of the, 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 the core piece there, um, is just that you're, how you are to regard them, how you are to treat them. Uh, and you'll find like, you're not allowed to oppress him. Uh, and, uh, that's going to be like Leviticus 19. Uh, and you'll see that things like, um, uh, in Leviticus 1934, uh, uh, right after he says you're not to oppress him in 34, he says, uh, you're to regard the alien who resides you re resides with you as the native born among you. You're to love him as you love yourself. So there's even a call to how you love them. And so I think I think the first piece is, at least from an Old Testament perspective, uh, a good thing to keep in mind is regardless how I deal with immigrants um, is I have to come from a perspective of love and I have to have equal treatment in terms of my personal relationships. I think the Bible does make a distinction about how governments and how um, officials will treat them. But on a personal level, in terms of their human dignity, in terms of relationships to them, there is a piece of they are to be treated as equals, as brothers, uh, you know, in the land, that's kind of the, the major point that Israel makes uh, that the law makes for Israel. So what do you think so far on that? Yeah, I think that that's important, especially because people need to hear us say that because any type of conversation on this easily gets framed in terms of uh, bigotry, racial motivations, politics. And the reality is that the Bible is very clear that we are to love the stranger, love the sojourner, yeah. love the one that is in the land. And, and part of the basis for Israel's view of love is their own experience uh, and, and that need um, to, to have people looking out for your welfare when you're unable to. Um, and so we don't disagree with that, I think, at all. It's just a matter of uh, how does that fit into a larger context of um, immigration, uh, national sovereignty, borders, uh, uh, deportations, you know, all, all of those types of things, because uh, the Bible does say something about that as well. But regardless of uh, your approach to those things, we are going to love all people as Christ called us to love those that are even enemies, and we'll love our neighbor as ourselves. And so, uh, yeah, I think that that is really important. And unfortunately, that's the part that if, if we say anything that is uh, not in the prevailing mindset of some that will be forgotten and not counted <laughs> as yeah. they relate what we're saying. But we, so we can't say that enough that we love those that have found themselves in our land. And I, and I would say just a, a good <laughs> caveat to this is your, um, if you know, I would say as, okay, obviously clear, the old Testament law talks about how you're to treat them. Right. And they put them in a category of like, you need to treat them differently. Um, then you uh, and understand like they're in a different class. They're not part of the culture. They're separate. And so you treat them like you would either. They often throw them in with the orphans and the widows. Like the, the immigrant is somebody you're going to care for and you're going to take care of. I, I do think that that 
should mean for you and I too, right? Like at, at, in terms of their dignity, regardless of whether I, you know, they're here illegally or legally, um, dignity is due them in terms of my personal relationship. Now that's not, that's not to say that there are rules about what a government should do, but I think in terms of how a, on a personal basis of individuals, I think the law is very clear how we are to treat and relate to individuals. And I think that just comes also from just being image bearers of the king. Um, and so, so yeah, so I think that's the first piece. That's the clearest thing of just personal relationships. You love the immigrant. And I think that's regardless of their status uh, right. as well. <clears throat> so um, in agreement with that, what do we do then? You know, especially we're Arizona pastors and uh, border is uh, important to Arizonans. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm always in kind of, I, I kind of laugh when I hear someone from Connecticut talk about how we need to be more compassionate and, uh, have more open borders because it, it directly affects, uh, our communities where it's much less of an impact. You know, there's not a, a lot of worry about Canadians coming down. Um, and part of the reason is, uh, that we offer a better economy, a more stable government and, uh, Arab America is attractive to Latin America, South America, as a place where uh, if you could get here, life likely will be better. And so because of that draw, we end up with a lot of immigrants, right? And many that are legal and many that are not legal and, and some that are seeking asylum, right? And yeah. so, you know, should Christians have a say? I mean, there's certain Christians I know that basically say we should have no voice in politics or government, and we should just be kind of... Uh, separate from all of that, isolated from that. Um, I, I don't come from that perspective. And that might be a whole other discussion. Like what is the connection between the, the Christian citizen and, and the government? Um, yeah. But if, uh, if we are to have, um, you know, if we're going to vote and if we're going to be working through these issues, how does a Christian uh, think about this issue? Yeah. Well, so Let's talk about uh, let's talk about government, right? Let's talk about what we see in the Bible, in terms of as it relates to um, to immigration. What does it speak on that? One of the first things I think it's important to see uh, is when you start to look at how we are to treat immigrants. That's one thing. Um, the other piece that's quite fascinating is the way that immigrants are to obey the laws of the land, right? So that's a big thing. When you read the Torah, um, one of the things that you'll see, so for instance, this is one of the, one of the early pieces. Uh, you'll look and you'll say, uh, like this will be, um, this is like Exodus 12. Uh, if, if an alien resides among you and wants to observe the Lord's Passover, every male in his household must be circumcised, then he may participate. He'll become like a native of the land, uh, but no uncircumcised person may eat it. The same law will apply to both the native and the alien who resides among you. So there's certain things that just by the law of what was supposed to take place, who is allowed to participate in something, um, they are they are bound by that. Uh, you'll see the same thing in Leviticus 17. Anyone from the house of Israel or from the aliens who reside among you who eats any blood, I will turn against that person who eats blood and cut them off from the people. For the life of that creature is in the blood and I've appointed it to you. So uh, that's another one. Like you'll see, there's like 
understanding of you don't just get to live in the land and it's just pour out love on you all the time, um, but that there are there's a standard. So there's a legal standard that they must abide. It's by the rules of Israel uh, and what is supposed to how Israel's supposed to act. Uh, and if they want to participate even in some uh, places, they're going to have to do something beyond in order to be involved with certain pieces of it. So like one of the things you'll see Leviticus 24, 22, you're to have the same law for both the resident alien and the native because I am the Lord God. And so there's law that, uh, that they are, they are given. They're, they're going to be held by the same standards that you and I are to be held. Like, I think that's greatly missing today uh, in our society as well as that we have laws for different classes of people in different groups. There's not necessarily equality anymore, but I think the Old Testament shows there is equality. Uh, and if you're going to enter into someone's land, you must obey those legal uh, pieces, at least for Israel. So that's another little piece I think is important to consider um, is that aspect of how they are to obey the laws uh, that that follow the land uh, that is there. What are your thoughts on that? Anything on New pers New Testament perspective that you see related to that? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, kind of related to that, obviously, um, uh, Romans 13 comes to mind in terms of uh, every Christian uh, is to obey the rulers, uh, you know, that, that they're under. And most of the time that is a uh, it's demarcated by a boundary, you know, so you have a ruler who has sovereignty over a certain jurisdiction, right? And if you're mm -hmm. in that jurisdiction, then you need to follow that ruler, you know, especially if they're not uh, uh, ruling in a way that is uh, evil, but actually, you know, upholding God's uh, mandate that they lead according to the good. And so if you, you know, I mean, you grew up uh, kind of as a sojourner in some sense, right? Um, yeah. You know, and you've lived in a, in a nation, not uh, America. And as yeah. a result, you've got to follow uh, the laws of that land. And, and as a good Christian, we would do that here and wherever we might find ourselves. Yeah. It is interesting. I mean, this is the non-biblical argument is that most of the world runs on borders. I mean, growing up in another country, especially in, um, in an Islamic country, um, that is one of those things that like, if you overstay your visa, you're tossed out. They find you, they take you, you're gone. Um, you know, you cross, here's a fun one. You ever try to cross a border? Like even like try even putting a foot across like the Israeli border ain't gonna, you ain't gonna have a foot anymore. Right. Because you don't just cross in a very like the borders of countries, right? This is one of the places where we have real issues and we struggle with our border and understanding that. Um, but I, I guess this begs the question, right? Okay. So people have to, you have to think about like, okay, so the people have laws they need to abide by. There's certain qualifications. If they're going to do something, they need to be able to do this. If you're going to participate, especially in those are the religious laws. Uh, but for the cross the board that the same laws apply, to both to residents and um, uh, aliens. Um, but here's the other piece. I think there's kind of the narrative pieces that give us glimpses into the laws. And I think that's something that you'll see in the Old Testament, which is, um, I don't think it's as free. When people say things like, Jesus was an illegal immigrant, right? I don't think they quite grasp the historical context of what was happening. So, 
Old Testament world, for instance, um, you do have giant, you, you do have lots of giant open places you can go back and forth. They don't have borders, so to speak. Uh, they had regions of territories that people were in control of. Um, but every time you would enter into a specific region, especially back in those days, you're going to typically stay on the major trade routes, right? So like the King's Highway going from uh, through through the, the land of Israel and into uh, into Egypt, right? So uh, you've got these kind of major inroads and whoever's in control of those places are going to be the people that meet you uh, and, and kind of check you out. So some of those things that you'll see, like in the Genesis narratives, um, you obviously see that like, okay, Joseph, rec- like, uh, like the patriarchs recognize, Abraham sees it, uh, Isaac sees it. Like if we're going to go into the land, um, people are going to know who we are and uh, they're going to do something to us because um, they're going to see us. Now, what ends up happening, right, is in all those cases, whether they've, they've wandered into Philistia in the case of, um, of Abraham and the case of Isaac, uh, or whether you've wandered into Egypt, uh, all of those guys are met at some point by officials of the king and then ultimately meet the king. And so when, when, Abraham, uh, when Abraham and Sarai go into to Egypt, it's Pharaoh's officials who take her and bring her back. And so they're doing, uh, they obviously are in control and they interact with her. Uh, it's interesting when you think about the stories of Joseph uh, as he goes into the land, um, he is there. And then when uh, the brothers come, he knows their business. He's got his guys checking in on them and making sure uh, that, uh, you know, that they are, uh, there for what they're supposed to be doing and then sends them on their way. He controls they're coming and going. Actually, you come back. I'm never going to release you. That kind of a thing. Uh, it also is interesting at the very end of Genesis um, that uh, that just Pharaoh makes it known, like, go tell your brothers and your family. We want you to come here. Right. That's important. And then there's this interesting little exchange later on where Joseph tells his brothers to say the following, and you see that, um, and uh, what does he say? Right here at, um, uh, it's, I think it's 47, 48, uh, where he tells them, like, I want you to tell Pharaoh that you guys are, uh, you guys are uh, shepherds, right? So that you will then take and take the land of Goshen. And so, um, and so, you know, because they're, they're, you know, shepherding is seen as detestable, go ahead, go hang out in that area. Right. And so, uh, those are things that you kind of see as well as he controls where they settle, he controls what region they're supposed to go to. Uh, and so, uh, and so he gives them permission that's in 47, uh, and, uh, tells them, you know, Hey, the land is yours and uh and go for it so i think those are those are things that um that we've got to keep in mind at least from the old testament perspective and 46 at the very end of 46 is where he says tell them that you guys are shepherds because then you'll get in goshen uh and uh, but he's in control they don't just get to wander in and do what they want to do he controls where they're going to be where they're going to live uh, and that's kind of very much uh, the way that that goes, when you see the way later on with the empires coming, and I'll stop in just a sec, uh, you fast forward to like, um, you know, what, what are, uh, when the conquest happens, there's towns 
um, that, you know, they have to abide by Israel's rules if they're going to stay in. Uh, when the Assyrians come in and take over, they are going to move their displaced peoples there, but they're subservient to the king of Assyria. Um, and so there's rules. You don't just get to wander in. You don't just get to stay and wander around the empire. No, you're told where you're going to live and how you're going to live. You're not, you're given permission when you can move even within the empire, right? They don't just get to wander back because they say, Hey, we belong to the, we're, we're, we're people who are captives, uh, in Babylon. You wait until you're allowed to get permission. And that doesn't come until the Persian time frame. So I think it's a lot trickier, a lot murkier. Um, there, the, the freedom to move is not, I think, uh, as easy as people think. There's a lot of permission, I think, that's involved with people moving in and settling into areas. And then what also goes with the Old Testament pieces, tribal allotments, uh, you know, that has to come. You don't just get to come into any area. Like that stuff is already all marked off in territory. And I will say this last piece. Deuteronomy is quite interesting too, because God even says, you're not going to take these areas. That belongs to the Ammonites. That belongs to the Edomites. Uh, that belongs to the Moabites. Like I've given these regions, right? And so <clears throat> wandering into places, doing what you want to do, that's off limits, even for the people of God, uh, because he has already determined this is this region belongs to these people. It's for them. So I see that uh, this stuff taking place where there, there seems to be borders. There seems to be an understanding that uh, you don't mess with people in their land and they have kind of the control over everything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's you covered a lot of ground and I don't I don't disagree with any of that uh, coming on that issue of uh, borders. Uh, one of the passages I had was from Acts 17 and Paul is giving his Mars Hill speech and he's at the Arapagus and he's uh, saying God who made the world and everything in it. This is Acts 17 uh, verse 24. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life breath, and all things. And this is the key part. Verse 26, he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwelling. And the goal is that they would yeah. worship him and all that. But Paul's uh, making a case for God out of the unknown God to uh, the Greeks. And one of the things that he is saying, we have a shared assumption here that God has made from one person, one blood, all of the nations. And as a result of that, uh, we have uh, this idea that boundaries are essentially uh, given by God. And, and that doesn't mean that they don't change or they don't adjust, but boundaries aren't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, they're very much a good thing, and they show God's hand in the moving and the creating of nations. And it goes back to Babel, right? Uh, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And they chose to make a name for themselves, right? And so God yeah. disperses the people. And he then, um, it, even if we go into Deuteronomy, the the song of Moses, it sounds like he even placed angelic emissaries over certain uh, allotments of land and peoples uh, reserving uh, Israel for his own name. So uh, boundaries are a, a definite biblical thing, and they are a good thing, and they uh, work against, in some degree, globalism, which the Bible kind of presents as a negative, uh, as something that would actually accelerate uh, human uh, decay. And yes, yeah. so... Um, so, you know, that doesn't mean that just because someone's from a different nation, they're uh, worse or better than us. It, what it means is that nations essentially are good. And how do you have a nation without a border or a boundary to say uh, this demarcates our uh, our nation? Um, yeah. So let me ask you this, though. Let's talk about a New Testament perspective, though. Um, 
that, um, okay, so the idea that Jesus can just wander into Egypt, did he do that illegally um, from a New Testament perspective? Yeah, it, it's kind of silly, really, because we don't get the whole story. We know he is fleeing from Herod. So you might say he's an asylum seeker, except he never left his nation because he's under the Roman Empire. Yeah. And so, you know, there is no Egypt, nation of Egypt anymore. There is the Roman Empire that controls Egypt. Interestingly enough, they stayed in the Roman Empire. Um, you know, that, that, that battle had been fought under Caesar and uh, Antony and Cleopatra, you know, were defeated. And Egypt was under the control of Rome. Uh, so yeah. he, he goes from one um, local uh, magistrate, Herod, and uh, under the same overarching empire of Rome, moves to a different uh, ruler, uh, his territory. And you assume yeah. that that wasn't done where no one in Egypt knew they were there. Uh, they, they likely had to, like you said, interact with the people that were there and uh, figure it out. They were coming from Bethlehem because... Oh my goodness, Rome wanted to know who was there and where they were from and how much how much they should owe in taxes, right? So we yeah. were just doing a census to get an idea of who we have. And so the fact that they go to Egypt after they had honored uh, the decree to go to Bethlehem uh, just means that they fled because Herod is an insane person <laughs> and they may have sought asylum, but they really didn't need to because they just had to get out of the state more or less. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, so I guess in that regard, it'd be like the look, it'd be like, in some regards, traveling from one state to another in America, you're, you're moving from, you know, Arizona to California temporarily, each one has different kind of rules, depending on who their leader is, the main guy that Rome's placed there, and it could be easy or not. I mean, even Paul found that there were different places where it was going to be easier for him or not within the blanket of the Roman Empire though um so okay but uh, let me ask you this about um citizenship though um biblically yes. speaking you know on the new testament side that's where you do see that citizenship matters and it's something that's not actually looked down upon it's seen as a legitimate and a good thing to use to your advantage so what do you see on that perspective well i think you know when you look at status of people in the New Testament, and this isn't necessarily saying the New Testament wants it this way, but the assumptions they're working with are a state that has citizenship for um, Roman citizens, either by birth or by purchase, and you are a higher level of a, an individual in that society. Then you have regular folks that live there that don't have citizenship, and that's okay. You know? So uh, in, in fact, the vast majority of the Roman Empire was filled with non-citizens. Uh, you know, uh, you could just imagine that that all the conquered lands are, you know, green card holders in some sense. They're allowed to work and dwell, but they're not making any political impact on the system. Uh, they're they're not voting for Senate and uh, they can be crucified where the citizens can't be right. There's certain uh, advantages to being a citizen. The other thing is that you have slaves. You have a whole class of sub uh, <laughs> sub citizen, sub freemen and, and slavery. And as a result of this, you you have. Uh, biblical writers working out a, a theology of uh, dignity in the midst of all of these things and really, you know, kind of suppressing uh, slavery as much as possible. If you can get free, you know, go ahead and get free. And if you have slaves, you know, you, you got to be really careful what you're, what you're doing there and you better recognize your God slave. So however you treat those, 
um, is going to come back to you. So, so all that stuff is kind of all muddled together. And uh, sometimes we don't recognize that uh, looking at the New Testament situation. Uh, but uh, part of the reason that they can have more fluid borders between Roman territories is because uh, entering the country doesn't make you a citizen. And having children in the country doesn't make you a citizen. And America didn't used to be like that. Uh, but some things were changed as a result of the Civil War and trying to make sure that citizenship was passed on to the African-American slaves who had been denied citizenship through the states. And so they, mm. they kind of made a, a, an adjustment on how that's factored in. And one of the negative uh, aspects that perhaps could be negative um, is this idea that if you're just born on this soil, you're a citizen of this country. Uh, so solving yeah. one problem created another where people recognized all over the world that we've got a strange policy where if anyone can get across the border and have a child here, that child is guaranteed citizenship and all the rights. Which doesn't work like that in any other other parts, typically. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's something that uh, maybe we need to rethink. But part of the reason we did that was to ensure that the Southern states that had promoted slavery could not deny citizenship. And so one of the yeah. amendments addressed that. And, and again, I think that was a for a greater good. But we're dealing with some of the unexpected aspects of that, because at the time, we weren't worried about Haitians coming across the border, you know, in large um, migrant, you know, thousands of people at once. That, that's a whole different mindset that wasn't uh, the target at the time. Um, so, you know, so the Bible sees that world and, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean America must do it this way or that way. Again, our attitude is that of love. Uh, and yet uh, borders are biblical. B borders are yeah. divine in some sense. And maintaining borders is OK. One of the words that I think you were alluding to with Joseph is, um, you know, the word sojourner is uh, a word that's used of someone who comes knowingly into someone else's border. There's also the word they use spies. And yeah. Moses sends spies into Jericho. And so does Joshua. And Joseph accuses his brothers who have come knowingly into the country of being spies. And uh, the Hebrew word, I think, is regal. Uh, it's to foot around. It's kind of sneaking around and that you might be coming in with not the best intentions. And so uh, you weren't necessarily welcome. And the, the Bible yeah. never says, uh, welcome the spy among you, you know? And so yeah. that's an interesting uh, extra piece to that because we love sojourners, but if there are nefarious people that come across the border seeking to undermine the government or to um, not follow its laws, they wouldn't be viewed as sojourners in that sense. And so- uh, And the government's, from, yeah. all the, from all that we can see, had every right in the text. Every government in the text has that right. Yeah. Uh, and so that's not like, a, and it, there, there's no comment that this is wrong either. That's part of their job as being the government is protecting that and being able to, to deal with that, to protect their citizens and to protect their sovereignty uh, as well. What's that story where they uh, they ask him to pronounce the word in a certain way? The shibboleth that's in Judges with Gideon. Um, is that with Gideon? Man, now you got me. Now I'm saying it off the <laughs> off the. Well, top I didn't of know, so I'll there's no shame. <laughs> it's not but, with Gideon. I know what it is now. I know it's uh, with um, Jephthah. Uh, that's Judges twelve. So that's how they're able to tell the difference between the people and the and they live in the land. The shibboleth for the versus the sibboleth. Um, and of and course, so that's it, it, uh, Judges 12. Is, yeah, is that instructional to this conversation, you think? It's just <laughs> or, dealing with regions, though, of like what people sound like and things like that, how they were able to tell the difference between people like who were coming in from the area. Uh, in and a so hostile that, yeah, environment, I mean, they were using that test to kill the enemy, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. That, 
That is an interesting one. Um, I mean, I, I, my mind immediately goes to, especially like on the New Testament side, is uh, right. Paul Paul didn't seem to think that having a citizenship was a bad thing. In fact, he used that to his advantage um, uh, as well. Right? You you right. see that taking place uh, in the New Testament. They don't see something as like he doesn't renounce it. He doesn't say no for the sake of everybody else here who doesn't have it. I will not. No, like when he's got it, he plays that card and uses the benefits that come with the fact that he's got it. Yeah, it's. I mean, and there's the instance where he actually allows himself to be beaten before revealing that to bring shame to the local government so that he can have um, the ultimate vindication where they, they march him out, you know, kind of uh, in repentance for what they had done because they beat yeah. a Roman citizen without knowledge. And so, I mean, yeah, all that stuff kind of comes into play. Um, as far as a Christian thinking politically and what we should do and all these things, there's nothing wrong with protecting borders, knowing who is coming in um, so that we can know that they're following the laws. And I think assimilation is a big piece that we didn't, we may not have time. We, we might come back at this another time, but yeah. you know, the reason they're to drive out the inhabitants of the land is so that they don't assimilate with the Canaanites. Yeah, uh, you know, pick and, up their practices in large numbers uh, without assimilation. The the culture uh, of God could be declined, and so you could extend that to what what is a nation without its own culture. And so, should there be a limit to the number of immigrants at any given time? And um, and I think that was primarily religious. And it's yeah. it's pri I mean, obviously, you don't want the Canaanites or a bunch of you know uh, child uh, sacrificing witches. Uh, that you see. And, you know, after doing some of the judges, uh, the stuff uh, in Genesis and some of the stuff in uh, uh, Joshua, you're like, hey, there's some giants there, too. And there's some weird stuff that's in there, too. So, I mean, there's that piece of like, don't pick up their practices because there's definitely some stuff. Uh, but I do think, yeah, like a lot of the law, too, is reconditioning them of like, yeah, you did a lot of weird stuff in Egypt, but we're not doing that when we go into the land uh, as well. Um, but yeah, I do think, uh, I think that's important. I think, you know, like Joseph, you spend your time, he learns his language. In fact, his brothers don't even know that he is uh, of, of that. I think you see that too, in terms of assimilation, in terms of how the names of Israelites shift once they're into the exile as well. Uh, you know, you'll see things that uh, seem to be implying that they've taken on more uh, you know, a, a different type of name, not so much the Israelite, but they've got sort of uh, maybe a, uh, a, you know, kind of a, a Persian spin a little bit too, right? So Esther, uh, you know, Mordecai, things like that, like those seem to indicate a little bit of like, you know, we understand we're here. Um, we're here and this is kind of the names that, of the land too. And we'll go with that. And I think uh, one last aspect, again, we may come back at this at a different time, but, um, you know, walls, uh, cities and walls. And yeah, it is Israel and its walls. They're bad because Jericho had them and we blew the walls yeah. down. <laughs> and then right? Nehemiah prayed and God blessed him so he could go rebuild the wall. And, uh, you know, again, these were my argument, man. <laughs> yeah, city walls uh, formed protection, but it also helped ensure that certain people didn't come in that weren't supposed to come in. And again, when uh, Israel snuck spies into Jericho, they were spies because they were not supposed to be there. They weren't sojourning in Jericho at that moment, right? And so Jericho would have been within their rights to execute the spies. Um, and they did succeed in driving them out uh, just by looking for them. 
so, so those are some things too that we could play into this because uh, nations seem to be uh, permitted, at least Israel is permitted, to uh, protect its borders uh, through human resources or through physical barricades. And that was yeah. very common in antiquity. Um, so even though we do have kind of a open sojourning policy and your shepherds were shepherds, you know, share some land and do these types of things, this, this is okay, but uh, we want to know who you are. We, we want to know that you're not going to violate our laws or else you're going to get removed. And then again, in our larger cities where it gets harder to track some of this, we're going to have protective barricades in place to make sure that we can really monitor who's coming in and out. And you extend that to today's world and you've got larger, uh, it's not just cities, but it's, it's whole nations, whole states. And yeah. so um, it's not an unbiblical mindset to extend what made good sense at that time to a larger structure. Um, but you can't say that again without always emphasizing we love those that are in our land. We, yeah. we're, we're trying to win them to Christ. We're trying to meet needs and take care. At the same time, it's it's not unbiblical to think some, through those other issues. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and even support policies that might help um, with regard to knowing who's here, uh, ensuring that they're following the law, and then having a good process to bring people in in a way that's safe. Um, I I guess what could be said is like what we said is there's the personal piece that all of us have an obligation to how we treat others. Um, right. That's, that's key. The, uh, the other side of that too, I guess to say what we're trying to, the point we're trying to make is like uh, the Bible is not, has not given us a manual for like how the country needs to be set up, what kind of border laws they're going to have. Like that's not there. What I do think we should say is I think there's room for a discussion to say Here's what the Bible has, you know, commented on or shown us. Um, and I do think that that can inform you in terms of, you know, preference or, or where you land on some of that. And so I would just say that, like, if we saw things um, that would show us that these were wrong uh, and that they were bad and they were talked about in a bad way, then I think that would be something we would want to keep in mind as we talk about this. But I do think there is a, there's room for disagreement between Christians of like how the nation should be set up and run. I do think that there's a, you know, I think all the, the kind of wealth that we see from the Bible, it's not meaning to tell us and teach us about how to run the country, how to run the borders, all that kind of a thing. Um, though to some extent, I, there, there's a little bit of that in the Old Testament law for Israel and the land. Um, but it, I do think it's good for, you know, how do I think about this? Is yeah. it okay? Is it okay to have a position that says, yes, I think there should be borders? I think so, because I think that there's no comment on that that says it's not, right? In fact, that seems to be the norm in the Bible. So I just want that to be clear, too, is I think you know, if you want to be an open borders guy, um, God bless you. Uh, but I totally disagree with you because I don't see really that has ever worked or even that in the Bible as well. And I don't think that that argument fits. I think uh, biblically speaking, it's pretty closed in terms of borders uh, or at least control. There's always control. There's always somebody who knows who's coming in and who's coming out in areas. Um, even Abraham had to do that. You, you would go in certain places and there were areas like even when he wants a cave, right? He didn't just go get to bury his wives and his wife in the cave. Got to ask for permission, find a way, get in the field. He's going to buy it from these people who are in charge of this area. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's just what we got to realize is the one thing we're for sure of is how we treat, how we talk. The other is it, that's just, you know, you want to build a policy. What do you think is good policy? Well, here's what I think that at least the Bible shows us is strong policy. Yeah, I think, I think I'm in agreement, you know, and I think it's an important thing because it's, 
it's worth talking about and it can be done in a loving way. And, uh, and again, you know, we, we do need government to look out for the welfare of the people. And one of the ways that uh, an issue that must be addressed is uh, immigration. And so Christians yeah. can have thoughts on this. And the Bible gives us good uh, illumination uh, on, in a lot of ways. So uh, it's not a clear cut thing, like you said, because God's not establishing a church nation. <laughs> He's establishing a people that, that is an open borders uh, body in that yeah. uh, it transcends culture, it transcends nations. We are Christians. But it's interesting that he will identify where those Christians are coming from at the end as every na tribe, nation, and tongue. And yeah. so um, that's an interesting piece too. But yeah, I and think I, that's I good. Think, uh, yeah. I, I guess one last thing about that you bring onto that is just the gospel piece of this, right? Is even in the Old Testament laws, like there is an understanding that there will be, gen there will be Gentiles who will want to participate and to join the faith, right? And I do think that we lose this discussion in the immigration debate, which is, uh, you know, uh, whatever that is happening there, my personal conviction needs to be still for evangelism, for I need to be continuing to love people the way Jesus told me to. And I need to be understanding that, like, God may save these people uh, who the immigrants that he's placing around me. Right. So say what you want about what's happening with the, the Afghani immigration issue as well uh, coming in. The governments are making that choice. I, you know, I can. I, I can have my perspective of it, but once I'm here and they're with me and the immigrants that are in your school system that have been brought in from all over the Iraqis, the, the Sudanese, the Somali that are all around you, um, they're here. And so uh, you, you can debate all you want have all, you know, and get as frustrated as you want about how policy they brought them there. But I think more importantly, like you and I need to be looking, say my hope and my prayer would be that as they are now in our land, um, mm -hmm. that they would, they would want to join and they would want to begin to participate in this and that something about the way I share with them and love with them will draw them in to that as well. Uh, and so we do, I think that's just something else to keep in mind is like, like let the gospel be, be something that's in the forefront when yeah. you think about immigration um, for those who are here already too. I think that's key to keep in mind, even though we have a big political issue, we have to debate as well. Good. Go. No. Well said. Well said. Here, here. <laughs> All right, man, let's let's uh, do the, the prayer as we close and then um, let's be done, man. Well, that's another one for the can. Another one in the in the in, in the tank. Here we go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Guys, God bless. Thanks for watching. We will talk to you later. Bye bye, man. See Take ya. care. Have a good one.